Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, we are doing a follow-up episode to all the way back to episode 42, which funny enough, focused on the importance of follow-up. And I'm sitting here with my co-host, Scott Farrow. Scott, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Just hanging out, ready to talk about uh, something that we really feel is going to be important over the next six months. Yeah, absolutely. So we had our episode 42 really just focusing on the importance of follow-up, not really getting into the nitty-gritty of how we do follow-up, why we do specific follow-ups for you know one group of people or specific follow-ups for another group of people. So today's episode, we're really just going to focus on what, what we call is our blueprint for following up with leads in your system, right? We've all heard of the phrase, we've repeated it, who knows how many times across all our podcast episodes, but the money is in the follow-up. A very slim amount of people that you talk to are gonna be ready to sell at that exact moment, right? So if you're not taking those people whose timelines aren't you know, right now, and if you're not following up with them later on at, at you know, a consistent schedule that we'll get into, you're really not going to be closing very many deals if you're not doing very much follow-up. Yeah. I would I would attribute that every time that I had a lull in my business, it was because I was either not focusing on follow-up at all or I was not following up correctly. And you and I take a lot of pride that our podcast is designed to give you more of a manual style and something that you can really actually implement and less just big picture all the time. So... Over the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about the market, and I think today we're going to follow kind of a step-by-step model on what you and I are currently doing that we're seeing success with, and then um, hopefully anybody listening is going to be able to implement this, and as the market shifts, the sellers that maybe were a no today might turn into a yes, and by following this accurately, you can then start to actually close more deals. Absolutely, and I want to open with this too. This is a... I would call it a very rough blueprint because I would say there's really no 100% correct way to follow up, right? You know, it a lot of times it really deals specifically to the person, the situation, the conversations you've had before, right? And kind of getting that sixth sense on when it's a good time, you know, to, to next follow up. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into our step one of you know our blueprint of this follow-up and really the important thing here is qualifying the leads and then also the designation of those leads yeah now talking about that a little more is designation really there's kind of three different designations for leads you've got cold leads warm leads and hot leads and, you know, people may call them something else, you know, but really it, it kind of just falls into those three categories, right? You know, low probability, mid probability or high probability, however you want to do it. Right. So when a lead comes in, it is your job, our job, the leads manager job to one, review those notes to shoot them a call and kind of see where these people might be at on that spectrum. Yeah. Well, and you can't treat everybody the same. You said it well that there's no perfect formula for follow-up. So essentially, when you're looking at how you're going to follow up with somebody, you have to understand like their timeline, their motivation, their price, and their condition. We call them the four pillars. And 
by getting that information, you're able to set up a system on how you're going to talk to this person over the next weeks and months. And a person who's very highly motivated with a great price and needs to sell now is going to be totally different than the person who says, hey, I'm going through a divorce or I'm going through an eviction or a probate. And in six months, I might be able to make a sale work, right? And so the key here is when we're putting all this into a CRM, which there's another episode on CRMs back uh, in the same, in the 40s range. Yeah. Um, you need to be able to, to identify who to prioritize and who is which lead. Because at some point, if you're doing this right, you're going to be following up with people for six to 12 months and you might not remember that person when you see their name, right? Yeah, absolutely. And an another thing we wanted to mention and note too is when you're deciding on these lead designations, right? If a lead comes in, really we, we tag it as that they need qualification, right? We, yeah. We've had a very initial, you know, low key conversation with them. But really, we kind of need that next step, next step in depth phone call before we make that des designation. Now, when they're in that needs needing qualification stage, what what we do is something called ten days of pain. Yeah. I've I've heard it as you know I've seen seven days of hell. You know, it's some kind of variation. We refer to it as ten days of pain, and the reason for this is this was something you were bringing up when we were kind of brainstorming this podcast is speed to the lead, right? You're, you need to be in front of that lead as quick and as often as possible. So in 10 days, days of pain, you are calling that lead 10 days in a row, if not once a day, twice a day, but for 10 days in a row until you were able to get a hold of that lead and then designate them to their correct you know, yeah, label. And this starts, this is not like a persistent, every time we try to reach them, we try to call them 10 days in a row. This is, so say mm -hmm. you have a mailing campaign, if you get a, a mail response and that person gets input into your CRM, that, that you don't necessarily need to do a 10 days of pain for. But say you have Facebook leads or you have cold calling leads or you have uh, referral leads, the 10 days of pain is just a way of making your initial contact. And the whole point of it is, like you said, it's speed to lead. In this market, there's just gonna be people who need to get business, right? So people are gonna be more willing to be quick to call back or, or follow up. So you just need to be the first one there. And the way that you do that is if they don't answer, you call them back later that day. And then the next day, you call, you text, you call. The next day, you call, you text, you call. Until you get a hold of them. Once you get a hold of them, now we go to the designation stage, hot, warm, or cold. Yep, and like we mentioned, and this kind of leads us in, into step two, depending on where they fall into you know, that hot, warm, or cold, or cold our follow-up system is gonna be different, right? And that leads us into step two, implementing each specific follow-up campaign, whether they are hot, warm, or cold leads. Yeah. And if we take a step back and we look at it, it's, it's really common sense, right? If you've got somebody who you consider a hot lead, you're not gonna follow up with them, you know, once a month or once a quarter like you may do for a cold lead. I mean, you're gonna lose out on the deal, right? If somebody's a hot lead, you've gotta be in front of them, you know, 
front of their mind, you know, talking to them as often as possible until you can get that contract signed. So real quick, yeah. can I tag in? We noted earlier I, in passing, I mentioned the four pillars of, of motivate or of uh, a lead qualification. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to run through it one more time because we're going to reference it. But it's price, motivation, condition, and time frame. A hot lead would be somebody who has three or four of those pillars. So when you call, if in that qualification call, they give you a price that they want for the home, that's within you know a reasonable park that, uh, ballpark that you would actually be able to pay. If they give you a time frame of how soon they wanna sell it, they give you a condition of the home, they're able to describe it to you, and they tell you why they wanna sell, that's a hot lead. So it's, it, this isn't an art form of trying to figure out what's a hot lead, what's a cold lead. There is some, some flow with it, but a hot lead has to have at least three, if not four. Yeah, absolutely. And let's start with those hot leads. So you've got a group of hot leads in your system. You need to figure out how to follow up with them. We've talked about it a little bit, but your conversations with your hot leads should be, you know, if not daily, at least every other day right? And just kind of like a daily check-in, right? Being at, at the front of their mind, touching base, checking in, right? Because if mm -hmm. somebody is a hot lead, you, that they, a, a big part of the decision they go with is who they feel like one has their best interest at heart. And two, you know, that name recognition is going to be big. If you're not following up with them as much as another investor might be, you know, your chances of taking down that hot lead are going to be a lot lower. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a phone call, you know, mm -hmm. but you're, you have a touch out to them every day, every day or every other day. Now, if your hot lead is three months away, there's going to be some wiggle room. And that's something to keep in mind. We're going to give you the blueprint for generically what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of an art form knowing situationally what you need to do. But if this person's looking to sell in the next 30 days, you should be making that touch every other day or every day to move that ball slightly forward. And then when the day comes, like you said, we're going to be the person that they think of first or the person that they feel the most comfortable with because we tend to get along with the people that we see most often. Yeah. And I like the way you phrase that continually moving or, or inching the ball forward on every touch or every phone call. And let's talk about what, I mean, you, we're making all, doing all these touches, texts, calls, right, on these hot leads. But let's talk about what we should actually be talking about, right? Because that's the other important aspect to, you know, kind of this follow-up blueprint for these categories is, one, how often, and two, really, what are your conversations focusing on? Yeah. Now, for your hot leads, we wanted to make sure that our conversations focus on building more rapport with those sellers. Every single call, you're continuously building rapport. One of the most important things you can do when you call, text, or anytime you are touching a lead, right? Yeah. Now, there may be some active deal negotiation going on with these hot leads. There should be if you're doing it right. Yes. And anything value add that you can bring to that lead so that you're not just talking about the property and talking about business on every single call and that's it. Now, it, if you're doing that, really, there's probably not a lot of rapport building going into there. So anything value add that you can provide or bring to that lead that may be helpful for their situation, for the property, 
those are kind of the main things we try and hit every single time we're following up with hot leads. Yeah, I'd love to give an example here. So I recently posted on my Instagram story that I've been following up a lead, following up with a lead since January. Now this lead came in through calling and he had told us 130,000. He gave me uh, some info about condition. He gave me a timeline. He gave me um, motivation. They're moving out of state. So he was designated a hot lead and then he kind of fell off the radar after we had made contact. That happens from time to time, but then all of a sudden we made recontact with him and we know that he still had all four points. So we went right back into the daily, every other day contact once he had reconnected. What ended up happening was whenever we called, we provided a little bit more info. Hey, you know what, seller name? Like, you know, Mr. Seller, did you know that the market just increased, the, the interest rates in the market just increased by this amount? That actually reduces the buyer's purchasing power by approximately 10%. Mr. Seller, did you hear about the Fed? They're gonna be increasing their rates. I'm happy to make you an offer today, but tomorrow's offer might be different. Hey, Mr. Seller, I'm actually gonna be out in the city uh, in like a couple days. How about I stop by and take a look at the house? We can talk. Hey, Mr. Seller, I'm gonna be coming back pretty soon here for a wedding. How about I sign the contract when I'm there? Is this price agreeable with you? So each time we called, we gave a little bit more info and eventually his timing, condition, motivation, and price all came together with us. We opened up the deal and this guy who'd been blowing us off for like six months was like all excited. He like gave me a, like a hug and a high five and was, was like, thanks for selling my house. Like, I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I'm glad I'm working with you. And it works out great. So it's a great example of you have to make sure that each time you call back, you give some more info because I think probably the reason why he ghosted us the first time was he probably didn't feel like we were giving him any value. So, yeah. Yeah, hugely important and, you know, coming down to value add and rapport building. I mean, that's exactly exactly it and a big piece and a big reason of I'm I'm sure why you got that deal as opposed to maybe, you know, any other investors he was he was talking to that may not have given value or provided that information, right? Now, another common sense line that we have here for our our hot leads that I want to emphasize is obviously prioritize your hot leads over all of your other leads. Now, I want to clarify that that does not mean forget about all your warm or cold leads, right? If you are focusing your time all on your hot leads, okay, great. When you have no more hot leads, you, you now you're like a sitting duck because you weren't following up with your warm and cold leads who now might be warmly or uh, hot leads. Excuse me. Yeah. Right. So prioritize your hot leads, but do not neglect your warm and your cold leads is yeah. the point I'm trying to get at. A real quick procedural comment. When you're thinking about warm, hot and cold leads, think about it this way. A hot lead is going to be the stuff that's going to pay you soon. A warm lead is going to be what pays you in six months and a cold lead is what you're gonna make in a year. And your goal is to slowly move a cold lead to warm, a warm lead to hot, a hot lead to a closed deal, right? So when you're thinking about what, you know, how I'm gonna do my follow-up today and you are overwhelmed, focus first on the stuff that you have today, then look at the stuff you have to do over the next six months and over the next 12 months. The reason why you do it that way is because you could always move a cold lead follow-up a day. 
That's not going to change if the cold lead hears from you or not. But a hot lead might need to hear from you today to get a deal signed. So just yes. a procedural thought process there. Absolutely. And, and like you said, don't ignore the other stuff because in 12 months, you don't want to be rebuilding out a pipeline. But focus on the hot first. Yeah. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier is if you are focusing all your time um, and we emphasize and talk about this all the time, if you're focusing all your time on you know, one, either current business or two, when we're talking about leads, if you're focusing your time on all the hot leads and everything else you're neglecting and forgetting, then that's a big reason of why a lot of people see the peaks and valleys that, you know, this business is infamous for bringing, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, those were our hot leads. Let's transition into our warm leads. Now, warm leads, again, to emphasize, depending on the situation of the lead, right? Everything depends on the the person, on the situation, but for our warm leads. Well, what is a warm lead qualified as? So warm leads qualified as something that will pay you within six months, right? So their time frame, And then they typically have two pillars of motivation. Two out of the four pillars. So they might have a timeline and a price, but they might not have the motivation yet or the condition. So instead of three or four out of four that a hot lead has, warm leads are only going to have traditionally about two of those pillars. Yep. And your follow-up can, you know, it's, it's kind of flexible here. It can range from weekly to bi-weekly, you know, if not at the very max, probably about once a month, yeah. depending on your type of warm lead. Especially but, if there's like a procedural thing that they're waiting on. Like yes. if you know that they're waiting on a court date or an eviction date, exactly. you don't want to waste too many phone calls because that will annoy them. But that's where you're saying it's a situational thing. That's a really important point to make too. I mean, let's use that example. If, I mean, you've we've got you've got a lead on your team right now that matches that somebody who's waiting on getting more information from the court and and getting all of their situation dialed in yeah but they've already shown a couple of the pillars of motivation right you're not going to want to be you know calling them every other day and you know bombarding them and annoying them right it you just don't need to and we've already built amazing rapport and we've already added a lot of value the key here for us is like you made it on the date just don't this up right yeah. so you just have to make it through the the probate process continue to touch base right i don't want the seller at the end of the pro- the process to be like well who's the guy that that originally had called me about this i want to be like okay this is done i want after he calls his wife for us to be the next call he makes when he gets court approval to sell the house right Absolutely. that's how you want to do it so you know, there's, it's a tasteful mix and it's going to be based off personality and we can't teach you all that in one episode. But what we can say is, you know, at the minimum, we're touching him at least once a month just to remind him that we're still interested. But in certain situations, it might be more like weekly or biweekly if he gets to a certain place and he needs help. Like, hey, did you get your uh, probate appraisal yet? Have you gotten your right to sell yet? Have you gotten this, that and the other yet? Right. Exactly. So conversations that you should be having with your warm leads when you're following up. Exactly. You mentioned right there, kind of checking in, value add, you know, rapport building, similar to your hot lead conversations. But the different differentiator for warm leads is going to be, you're also going to want to dive deeper 
and focus on figuring out what those missing pillars are. Right. Right. So they have two out of the four traditionally, but through rapport building, through value add, through your, you know, sales skills and conversations. Time. That's also one of probably the biggest things. Just (laughs) number of times you've talked to them. Yes. Figuring out those other two pillars of motivation, because that's what's going to move them from a warden to a hot lead. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, leads and people you've never talked to. I mean, think about it like this. You're not going to go spill your life story or, or your, you know, story about your property to some stranger on the first call or on the, even the first couple calls, right? It, it takes time exactly like you were mentioning. Um, but for our warm leads, that's kind of what we're focusing on conversation wise. Right. And it's going to be an interesting learning curve. If you've never done this before to help find those last few points or pillars and once you have that, you have an explicit timeline, you have a condition, a price, and a motivation, you now move it up to a hot lead. That hot lead becomes a higher priority. And I want to clarify too, sometimes warm and hot can co-mingle a mm-hmm. little if the timeline is far out. So if your timeline is less than a month, that's going to always be hot, or two months, that's pretty much always going to be hot. Once you hit three, four months... It might be between hot and warm, and your follow-up might be a hybrid model. Right? Exactly. But if, exactly. You, if you know that they're going to sell in two to four months, you best believe you should set your follow-up so that you are still in front of them. Don't err on the side of caution. Err on the side of aggression, because at the end of the day, the worst that happens is you call and they don't answer, or you call too much and they get a little annoyed, versus if you don't call enough, you're going to miss the opportunity where they're ready to sell. And they're going to sign a contract with somebody else. And then they're going to go, I totally forgot that you wanted the house. Right? So better to err on the side of aggression between hot and warm once you get all four pillars. Absolutely. 100% agree. Now let's make the transition into everybody's favorite type of lead, uh, the cold leads. So cold leads, let's start with our pillars of motivation. Cold leads usually only show one pillar of motivation, maybe, maybe two. Usually they show one or two. And I would say the other part to it is that the property or the seller's uh, situation have to match deals that you do really well with. Like either it might be like a landlord who's frustrated with their tenant, but doesn't have price motivation uh, or price condition or timeline. But you know, well, that seller is frustrated today. In 12 months, he might be ready to sell. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit with the warm leads. But let's talk about how frequently for our cold leads, right? For cold leads, there is absolutely no reason to be following up with them every week. Um, you know, even every other week, right? At, at, at that point, you will be an annoyance and that cold lead, when they do finally transition to a warm or a hot lead, they will have such a distaste in their mouth that they are not going to want to work with you. So cold leads, it's important to follow up maybe once every two months, once a quarter. Again, it kind of depends on the cold lead situation, but typically once every two months or once a quarter no more than once a month yeah no absolutely no more than once a month and uh, that's unless they tell you a and and all of this goes for all the leads kind of we're talking about these guidelines 
or kind of this rough, you know, blueprint. If a lead tells you to follow up on an exact time or an exact date or say, hey, you know, follow follow up with me, you know, in two or three weeks, follow, listen to the lead. If it's a cold lead, and, and this is common sense, but I'm going to emphasize it for everybody, a cold lead, don't call them any more than, you know, at, you know, once a month. But if they tell you, hey, call me an X date, call them sooner if they tell you to call them sooner. Yeah. So, so again, like you said, it's more of a guideline. Um, the other part to it is like with a cold lead, we had written down volume is key. Cold leads likely aren't ready to sell today and they're not going to be ready to sell in three months or six months. So use the fact that you got their contact information and you've had a good conversation with them to your advantage. Develop a system to follow up with them enough times that you have volume over any other investor who just shows up at the door. And if you're really struggling to like close deals and you follow up with cold leads and then you get beat out, it's usually probably because you just aren't getting the number of touches in. And when you do, you're not bringing enough value, rapport building. The whole point when you're following up with a cold lead is for them to know you. It's not for you to necessarily learn a ton about the property. It's about becoming a friend of theirs because there's no sales push. You're not ready to sell. I'm not going to push you to sell. But when the time comes, I'm interested. That's all you have to do. Exactly. And that just comes down to with these cold leads, you know, building up your name recognition with the cold leads. I know, I think there was a time you were making calls maybe last week. And then there was a time when I was making calls a couple of weeks ago too. And you were like, dude, I, I called this guy one of my cold leads, but hey, he knew me by my name. As soon as he answered the phone, he goes, hey, Scott. And, you know, it, it's that name recognition with those cold leads that are really going to pay dividends when they move to a warm or a hot lead. So, you know, that way, when the time, you know, comes for them to funnel down in, into a warm or hot lead, the name recognition that you've built, you are front of mind with that seller. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the last thing to mention here is like you mentioned, cold leads are like the least the least valued part of your time. You know, you're gonna focus on current business, then hot leads, warm leads, cold leads. Cold leads still, you can't let anything fall through the cracks. So if you have a follow-up that you missed the day before, you need to make sure that that follow-up gets done. You know, you might have skipped follow-ups because you were busy. Well, start calling through. And what I've started to do is if I wrap up my calls for the day and I still have some time, I'll start looking forward and I'll start calling down my cold leads uh, that I have for my future follow-up. Because if I have to call them on Friday, but I know Friday is going to be a busy day for me, on Wednesday, it's better for me to call a cold lead because they're not going to know the difference between if I call on uh, Wednesday or Friday. And then on Friday, I can call the hot leads that need to hear from me before the weekend starts, right? Mm -hmm. So just a little thought process there. Absolutely. Now, the last thing we wanted to hone in on and just talk a little bit about in our follow-up blueprint is the types of follow-up. Now, a lot of people might think we're only talking about calls, right? We mentioned with 10 days of pain, you know, call, text, call, right? But there are various other forms of follow-up that we implement both across the board with cold leads, with warm leads, and with hot leads, right? So let's talk about them. We've got calling, we've got texting, 
we've got door knocking and we've got sending a letter in the mail, right? Those yep. are kind of the four, you know, tools in our tool belt for follow-up. We now, really don't use a lot of email. We only no. really email when you're in contract. And the reason why is because email is really easy to get lost in the inbox if you don't mm-hmm. have name recognition. Yeah. Now, obviously, calling is our main form of follow-up. It's going to be the main form of, uh, of follow-up in, in this business is shooting over a follow-up or a check-in call, right? It's one of the easiest ways, you know, right next to texting and getting in that volume of calls you were talking about, right? Shooting off a, a quick call or shooting off a quick text, you're able, you're going to be able to get in a lot of touches compared to having to drive out and door knock somebody or, you know, take the time, sit down and, and write, you know, a little quick handwritten letter, put it in the envelope, stick on the stamp, throw it, throw it in the mail, right? Again, a note important to make here is call at specific times of the day if requested by the lead, right? Yeah. And then like we've talked about in our past two episodes, both the CRM and our past follow-up episode is take diligent notes while you're on that phone call, right? So while you may have your AirPods in or, you know, you're talking to them on the phone, on speaker, whatever, make sure you're sitting somewhere where you can kind of take notes and in a quick outline of how that conversation goes, which just comes back to, you can always reference those calls when you call them again and a really, really helpful tool to build rapport if you've got that log of notes and calls. If you're concerned about calling back and you feel like you're gonna be a burden or annoying, one of the best ways to make sure that you're not annoying is by actually knowing what the situation is and taking good notes when you do talk to them. One, you're respecting their time, and two, you don't have to call them back to get an idea on, hey, when did you say that you were gonna be ready to go? When did you say your tenant was gonna be out? Those kinds of details need to be written down so that when you call back, you're, hey, I just wanted to check in. I know that your tenant's moving out on Friday. Is that still the case? That's a totally different question than, hey, when are your tenants moving out again? And if you want to see more success, taking notes is just going to help bolster your confidence and you're going to just come with a better mindset. Yeah. And and taking notes and keeping, you know, diligent outlines of, of your calls in your CRM, that's a whole skill that, you know, with time takes to build up, but really, really important, What whatever type of follow-up that you're doing, keeping those notes in, in your CRM is going to be huge for your follow-up. Yeah. Now we mentioned texting. Texting, kind of the next best thing if sellers do not answer their phone, right? But texting can be, you know, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword here. It It is the next best thing to send when a seller doesn't, doesn't answer their phone. But you've got to make sure to, in most situations, keep them concise. You, you know, don't send a big-ass paragraph to these sellers, right? do not verbalize what your phone call would have been in the text, right? Keep it short, keep it concise because if you're sending out big paragraphs or, you know, just longer texts to these sellers, they're not going to want to pay attention. And again, you get into the possibility of, you know, annoyance with all these big long texts that are just detail focused or business focused on the property. I fall into this sometimes. I'll text when I should have made a phone call because texting is a lot easier. It's less scary. Don't fall into that trap. Texting should bolster your phone calls, not replace them. One of the best examples I could say is when you call a seller and you get to an agreement on something, the best way to implement texting is to text what you just agreed on 
to make sure that it's in writing. So say you talk to a seller, you confirm an appointment over the phone. The best use of texting would then be to text, hey, Mr. Seller, I'm excited to meet at the property on Main Street at 4 p.m. on Friday. And that's like the best way. The other time that you really could use texting to your advantage is when they verbally agree to a price. Hey, Mr. Seller, I'm excited to move forward on our deal at 72.5, you know, and leave it at that. Again, both of these are short texts. You're not verbalizing your conversation. You're bolstering and you're helping hammer in an already agreed upon acknowledgement. Or if you need clarification and it's something where you know that they're going to be busy that day, it's something just hey, at your time frame, can you let me know um, who's going to be the uh, signer for your trust? Whatever, right? Something little, but don't use texting as a cop-out. Yeah, I love that. Not using it as a re- as a replacement for calling, but using it as... A supplement. It, exactly. I love that. Now, last two, we've got door knocking and letters, and these are a little bit more interesting aspects of follow-up. Let's talk about door knocking. Now... It's funny because one, it's not a good use of your time to go and be making a volume of door knocking follow-ups, you know, the amount of, as the same amount of calls you might be making, right? Like with a hot lead, if you're calling them every other day, you're not going to be running down to their house to door knock them, right? So door knocking, we typically use if, you know, one, if we're in the area, in the neighborhood, right? And that we haven't heard from the lead in a while or haven't even qualified the lead, right? Now, I think we were messaging in our team, Slack, you were out in Madeira or yeah. Merced. I was in Madeira. Was the lead qualified yet? Were they a cold lead? I know you had door knocked them because you were in the area for some other, you know, another appointment or other yeah. business stuff. So they had been documented as a, a hot lead. They'd given us a time frame of July, a price that we could make an offer at. The condition was clearly something that we'd be interested in. And the motivation was that one of the owners was moving out of state and the other owner couldn't afford to stay. So, I mean, they were qualified as a hot lead and then ghosted. That was back in April or May. We did 10 days of pain. When 10 days of pain was unsuccessful because she had ghosted, we then sent multiple handwritten letters, which is something we're going to talk about. And then I was in the area and I was like, you know what, this is the right time to just go knock the door knocked it and i used a door hanger that we have purchased in the past um and i set that on the door and at that point hopefully when i call the number is going to match the door hanger hopefully there's some recognition but it was just one step closer and it's another route of trying to get a hold of somebody yeah absolutely and another you know great tool to kind of keep in the back of your mind if you know exactly in that situation where somebody who is a hot lead and, and may have ghosted door knocking can be really effective to swing by and even if they don't answer exactly leave some sort of name or brand recognition before you go the key here is like it's really intrusive to yes. go knock on somebody's door so when you do it be prepared for any kind of a response your entire goal is to just get in contact with them and get a deal done So if you piss them off, you're not going to get the deal done. When I go, I like to knock on the door in like a pattern, something crazy, something that doesn't sound like a police officer is banging at their door. If they don't answer, give it a minute or two, take a couple steps away from the door, just wait, go back, knock one more time, leave it at that. If they don't answer the door, you're not going to get a hold of them. 
leave your door hanger and let it go. If they open the door, say, hey, Mrs. Seller, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to get a hold of you. We had spoken back in April. I was looking at a different property not far away and I just thought of you. I thought I'd come and knock on the door. Are you still hoping to sell this month or did you change your mind? You have to be very, very not intrusive once they open the door because otherwise you could completely blow up your opportunity if you're too aggressive in that moment. Yep, 100%. Kind of that make or break moment when they answer the door. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned letters and that's kind of our our last method or type of follow-up. Now, letters, handwritten notes, you know, whatever you want to refer to them or, or call as, you know, very low and very non-intrusive, right? Less intrusive than a phone, than a phone call or a text, I, I would even say, right. right? And again, this can be used when you haven't gotten a hold of the lead, the lead in a while. One, just saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, just wanted to check in, you know, blah, 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 right? If you haven't been able to get a hold of them. Now, two, the other situation that these are great in is when you've just had a really great conversation with the seller or, you know, so, some other reason that might prompt you to, you know, maybe not write a thank you handwritten letter, but just say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, it was really great talking with you the other day. I'm looking forward to helping you in any way I can. Please feel free to reach out if there's, every, any, if there's ever anything I can do to help. So again, it can bolster a really good conversation that you may have had with the lead yeah. over the phone. Those kind of the two main situations to use them in, I would say. Uh-huh. I mean, we also send offers sometimes through the mail yeah. and a couple other routes. It's really great, though. Hand, mailing is great when, when the phone connection stops working and or to get in a number of touches because people aren't going to get mad at you for writing them a letter saying it was nice to talk to you and meet you. So it's one more way to get name recognition. And you never know. Usually older people read their mail more than they look at their phone. So if you're talking to somebody of an older generation consider the fact that maybe they check their mail more often than you would and that mail might be a great way of getting a hold of them and prompting them to give you a call and so yeah i mean the reason why we bring up the different styles is because each lead uh there's a little bit of an art form and knowing when to do each thing but the key here is understanding delegate uh leads by warm hot and cold focus on hot don't forget about warm and cold your goal is to constantly move the ball forward to get each lead a little warmer, a little warmer and closed. And at the end of the day, you have a couple different methods. If one way isn't working, shake it up, try something new. Don't delete leads unless you absolutely have to because you know that they sold, they say stop calling me or something like that. There's always a chance that that lead comes back and how hard is it for you to just make a phone call even if it goes to voicemail? Yeah, nope, that's it. And you know, I think this is gonna be a great episode to go hand in hand with our episode 42 if you guys haven't listened to that on we've talked about it a little bit but really the importance of why following up is essential to being successful go listen to that one um 
you know, I know it was just us two today. I think next week we've got two people coming on who we've really been bugging for a while and we're really excited to have them on, uh, both of them in the escrow world. So hopefully to defog, uh, the lens that everybody has of what escrow and title is. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of the pursuit of property podcast. Tune in next week when we've got our two guests on talking about all things escrow and, And we'll see you next week.